So we're studying Ephesians right now, and Herb last week decided to teach the entire month's worth of teachings all in one week. So we ha- I had to back I had to backtrack a little bit. Um, and he talked about predestination and how it doesn't matter what we do; it's already decided, right? I think that was the summary of it, or maybe not. So, um, uh, so today I'm talking about Ephesians chapter two, verses eleven through twenty-two. Um, and but that's not the most exciting thing today. Um, if you have the McDonald's app, it's free ice cream day. So <laughs> that's what's really it, that's what got me out of bed. So, it would have gotten you more out of bed for free Diet Coke. Well, that is true. That is true. But uh, but it's exciting enough as is. Um, so I went back into the lectionary, um, and one of the teachers that did the summary for this week, um, as I was kind of reading through what she had to say and thinking about uh, the different directions that I could go. Um, I'm always kind of looking for something that jumps out to me and kind of makes me think about things a little bit differently than I have before. And she said these two words. She, she said, uh, horizontal reconciliation. And it's like, as soon as she said it, or as soon as she wrote it, or as soon as I read it, um, I knew where she was coming from, but it just really kind of resonated with me because it was not something that I had really thought about. Uh, before. Uh, and so I want to dig into that a little bit, let you know what, what that means, uh, why we're discussing that. Um, so to get things going, I want to talk first about vertical reconciliation. Um, and that's in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. So the very beginning of our reading, I think, is an excellent example of what I would call vertical reconciliation. So let me just read it and tell you what I'm talking about here. Hopefully this will come up right. This will work. Just have patience. I don't know why it does that, but anyways. So, uh, here we are, verses 11 through 13. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in in the body by human hands, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. And then verse 13, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once, who, who once were very far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So that's why I'm talking about vertical reconciliation. That's the idea that we are connecting with Christ, that we're, or maybe you can say reconnected or connected for the first time, that we are breaking down any barriers that are between us and Christ. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were very far away, you were not reconciled, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Vertical reconciliation, it's us to God, okay? So when I start talking about horizontal reconciliation, what I'm saying now is this connection between us as humans to one another, okay? All right. Um, it'll take me a second. I've got some notes I wrote down this morning. I want to be careful how I dig through these because um, I wrote way more than I normally write. Okay, so um, 
out of this idea of vertical reconciliation and then transferring over to horizontal reconciliation, I wrote this down. But almost always, Christ's efforts to be part of our lives works best if we mimic those efforts toward each other. I'll say it one more time. But almost always, Christ's efforts to be part of our lives works best if we mimic those efforts towards each other. And what really stood out to me as I began to dig into this uh, letter of Ephesians and this idea of how we've had this separation many years ago between the Jews and the rest of the world um, and quirky little rules and things that kept those separated is, is how today, and even back then, um, is that if we want to fulfill and maximize this connection to God, that can't happen without us mimicking that connection horizontally to the people around us. So we can say or try to act like we're going to have this beautiful connection to Christ one-to-one, but if we do that, and then we don't ever expand that connection to brother to sister, or even toward non-believer, um, I don't think there's any possible way that we can maximize the vertical reconciliation. So these two are connected together, but I, I think it really helps for us to think about them very, very differently. So this is the horizontal reconciliation, uh, verses 2, I mean in Ephesians 2, and there's four different verses, um, 14, I'm sorry, three different verses, 14, 19, and 22, um, that I'm going to read in just a moment. Um, so let me just pull that up again. And we get to jump through this little hoop. Whoa, what happened? Okay. Oh, come on. Okay, starting with verse 14. This is Verse 14 is the first one. What did I say? Now I'm going to have to bounce back. 14, 14, 19, 22. And I don't know why every time I go back it flips like that, but that's okay. We can deal with it. We can get beyond it. Okay, verse 14. You guys are kind of mellow today. It's like it's dead quiet in here. Like so quiet it's creeping me out. 14, 19, 22. That's what I said. 14, 19, 22. All right. <clears throat> For he himself is our peace, is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. So you see what I'm talking about? It's this horizontal reconciliation that he's talking about. By the way, for years and years, they thought this was Paul that wrote this letter to the Ephesians. It very well might have been. Um, uh, in the podcast, they were saying that more recently, they, they think it's a... Um, what do they call it but anyways? A, a follower of Paul. A lot, a lot of theologians think it's someone that was very close to Paul, maybe that wrote this. But either way, um, it's it's similar to the type of things that Paul would have written, if not the uh, words of Paul himself. Um, For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, horizontal reconciliation. This was done in verse fifteen by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God. Okay, so now he's talking about vertical reconciliation. So he's talking about the two groups being reconciled to each other, horizontal reconciliation, 
Um, and then he's now talking about vertical reconciliation. So, um, verse 16, And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. So verse 18 is again talking about the vertical. And we get into verse 19. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Okay, so it's more of a horizontal discussion here, talking about us uniting as a family. We're built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. And in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And then 22, wrapping it all up. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So you can see it's kind of weaving back and forth this idea of our connection to God, our connection to each other. Vertical reconciliation, horizontal reconciliation. Okay. Okay. So, it's a nice thought, I think. It's the kind of thing us church people say all the time. We need to unite. We need to bond. We need to, to figure out ways to do this type of thing. The idea of horizontal reconciliation, to me, it's a new phrase, um, but this morning at like 9.30, I kept looking at it, and what really came back to my mind was, yeah, we do this, we talk about this a lot, we talk about bonding. I would argue that the reason this group was formed uh, 11 or 12 years ago um, was because we had this deep down desire to bond in a new way, and when this building uh, became available to us in this community, you know, it, it was at the core that we wanted to go beyond our connection with God and figure out a way to connect more broadly, connect to people uh, that were Christ followers as well as people who were not. Um, so that was the question I was asking myself this morning. So how? All right, that's great. Great for me to say it's a good thing to have horizontal reconciliation. It's good for me to tell you guys I think you should do this. I think you guys should look back at me and say. Super, what do I do? What's next? How do I do this? How do you make that happen? Okay. Um, I say we haven't obtained perfection in unity. That's for sure. Um, and to do this, we have to change something. So I say let's discuss that with the hope, let's discuss this with the hope that we'll leave today with a concrete plan for our next step. Okay. So the idea that I want to kind of roll into for the next, time is it, 48 minutes, maybe 20 minutes or so, and I'm hoping you guys will get a little more talkative because you're just so quiet, it's about to drive me nuts. Um, it's disrespectful, but it's, it's, it's uncomfortable. Um, is the how. So the first thing I want to say is we've got to mimic the vertical. So so how do you... How do you get this horizontal thing going. And it really began to strike me as the kind of thing that I've talked about my whole life, but yet for some reason this morning it was very, very different. As I began to think about how do I mimic the way my connection is to Christ? You think about everything, um, or Greg Boy always talks about everything pointing to the cross in some form. You start thinking about Christ's death on the cross and Christ's grace toward us 
and think about how can we mimic those types of actions, that kind of lifestyle, that kind of sacrifice in a horizontal way. Um, I ask you the question, so why, why do we need grace from God? Why do we need grace? Okay. What what does that mean? <laughs> well, I mean, we all live a life. That is a good good connection with the vertical and horizontal, though. We all, we all kind of live a life where we receive grace through our walk, and we have a real hard time giving that to other people. Um, I find it beneficial for my walk when I can be quiet and not bicker with my wife. Is a good example whether she's right or wrong, you know, and not necessarily always stand so firm on what I believe, but listen to other people. Uh, I, that's what I see grace in my, my life being. I, I've been rebellious about feeling that I've had grace from God to stay. So let's talk a little bit, you know, to me grace is a super churchy word because at work, I don't very often say, well, I'm going to cut you guys a little grace today. You know, I, I mean, I, I guess I might say that, but it would be kind of weird. Um, it's kind of a churchy word. Tim wants to say something about grace. So I've heard this from Rose. Um, grace is being blessed even when you don't deserve it, and then mercy is being forgiven. Okay. So let's hang back. Grace is being blessed even though you don't deserve it. Um, was your original question, why do we need grace? Why do we need grace? Uh, I, I think we, we, like Jeff said, to show it, but I think it's because showing people there's another option. If you if you watch TV, it's most series of things that go on TV are not about being graceful. It's about conflict and overcoming somebody else and it's like and it kind of goes with the whole ball of hostility thing and you know he's saying that there is another another way to handle situations. Alright. So so I in my mind I keep boiling this down. I started thinking in some ways a really simplistic way for me to think about grace is God can't deal with us any other way because we're not meeting his expectations. We're losers, right? We're not, we're not there. We're not getting there. So something has to happen. Something has to get. Either we have to be fixed, we have to become perfect, um, or you know, some other kind of miraculous thing has to happen, or God has to be able to give us the nod and say, you're not perfect, but that's okay. I can deal with you where you're at. You guys buy into that kind of a yes. thought about grace? It's not the way I normally think of grace. I normally get all churchy with it. I don't normally just say, yeah, it's God putting up with me. But there's an aspect of it. Is that theologically sound, Jen? Uh, I, I, I love that you questioned it. That's even better. <laughs> Actually, it's completely wrong. Um, <clears throat> so, no, I used to live a life that was anything but godly in times, 
that seem that way. So the only way I'm going to have, you know, I guess a walk with God, a relationship at all with Him, is if He just He just had to give me a one time wipe it all off. You know, we're not going to have to deal with this anymore. Ever giving, let, let's move on. And there, because of it, because otherwise, like if it's a human relationship, oh my gosh, you know, years of selfishness and whatever on my end right. would have to continually be forgiven and gone over and dug into that nasty stuff and counseling if you had to do, you know, whatever. But God just just did away, you know. And so right. I think there's this, there's an element um, and, and I know that people struggle sometimes, people who grew up in the church <clears throat> at times do like there's question is, is my walk with God as strong as so-and-so's who got saved in prison, got saved doing this. Or for, for me, I feel like I'm so grateful for his grace because I, I yeah, for his grace and mercy did that absolutely go hand in hand. There's nothing I ever could have done. And so for me, I feel like, you know, it's like the last one who barely got in before the door shut, you know? And so I'm so so grateful and so glad and there's nothing I can ever do that will ever even say that I mean just never you know what I mean it's, I feel like it gets to where it's a um, if he's not in the air I'm breathing I don't want to breathe anymore it's not worth it and so I think too if we and mimicking that vertical the Bible says that you'll know a tree by its fruit if if it's a pear tree and it's you know not giving you pears giving you apples and it's not a pear tree so if we're Christian it should be a real relationship and it will naturally spill over I think one of the things as, as I look at this vertical and horizontal and put it together in my life how that's worked is that you know I've experienced that being you know uh, forgiven by God and, and all that and the important part that even goes farther is that every day he works in my life and and I need to the horizontal part is I need to share that with all of you you know that that that's that when I share that with all of you then it's like well, maybe he'll do that for me too, you know, if you're not. That, that's how I got here was by hearing other people, you know, saying, this is what God does in my life. Yeah, and that's why I'm saying it's very difficult to separate those two because yeah. if, if the vertical is going to be healthy, it's going to have to include the horizontal. But it's, I think it's so easy to see this connection to Christ in terms of how we interact with each other. Um, and not be able to pick up the bits and pieces out of that that need to be spread horizontal, um, particularly this word grace. Um, so this is just before, we, we were looking at Ephesians 2, 11 through the end of the chapter 22. Um, this is Ephesians 2, 8, a verse that most of you have probably heard uh, in one translation or another. For it is by grace you have been saved through, thought, through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift from God. And so this is just kind of, 
like he's set, setting this cornerstone statement down, you know, that now people put on fridges and microwaves or whatever you can stick a, a sticker to um, or put it above your door or whatever. Um, you know, that's really been a big deal. But I do think this also emphasizes how as Christians we tend to think so much about the vertical. It's something we're very comfortable with, a very churchy thing to think about grace and God's grace toward us and to not spread that out as, now what about our grace towards others? How do we make that transition to thinking about this grace that we're getting that we just love, and, you know, as selfish humans, we, we just want to talk about that all day, um, turning that into a horizontal uh, sharing of grace. It's a, it's a much more difficult thing. Um, I'll tell you a little bit about what I wrote here. So, um, these are... Uh, couple of phrases that start, turn, that that kind of popped into my mind this morning. I want to make sure I say them right. Okay, so here are, here are two. Um, so the first one set I, I wrote was, so for it is by grace. So I'm trying to take this phrase and turn it into a phrase that I could put in a horizontal scale. Okay, so I'm trying to take this vertical phrase and turn it horizontal. So I wrote down, so for it is by grace that I will live and embrace you even though I don't agree with you about dot, 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 dot. Okay? And I say this because in my life, how often do I pick out something that's that dot, dot, dot? And sometimes it's things that aren't even that big, but I'll find this little nugget in a person that I really am grumped about and I completely lose my grace. I completely lose my desire to be one with them in any way at all because of this little nugget. And so then I think about, I act that way in the horizontal. Now let me turn the way I'm acting back vertical and say, what if God functioned that same way? What if every time I did that little bit of something that he didn't want, because, for example, he hates it that we dip the communion. He wants us to use those little cups because that's the way you're supposed to do it. We don't know. But there's all kinds of things we do, no doubt about it, that we don't even realize we do. That if God were standing here talking to us, he'd be like, hey, by the way, you really bug me to death when you do that. You know, I really wish you weren't doing that. And as humans, it's those little tiny things that we will let become that dividing line. And so then we start a new church or a new denomination or we quit going to a church or we ask someone to leave a church or we, you know, who knows what. Divide, 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 divide over these little things. And it doesn't mean that we have to agree. And as I said, for it is by grace that I will live and embrace, I will live, I will love and embrace you. I think I said that earlier. Um, even though I don't agree with you. Um, another one I wrote here is, even though I feel justified to dislike or maybe even hate you, I choose to love you. Even though I feel justified to dislike you, I still love you. That's where it gets really hard. Whenever there's that thing going on out there, there's the, you know, the ex-spouse maybe, or it's um, a parent that, you know, abandoned you, or who knows, you know, some, 
biggie. It's the biggies in the world. And yet we ask ourselves, is God's grace broad enough, powerful enough to overcome whatever this thing is we're hung up about? And we would almost always say, oh yeah, God's grace is that big. It is that big. But we all oftentimes don't ask ourselves, is our grace equally large? Do we have that ability to do that? I don't ask myself that very often because I don't like to ask myself that. It's much more fun to hate people. Maybe a little overstatement, but... All right. So where do you draw the line, though? How do you... Where is that point where you draw the line and say, we do separate, right? Is there ever a point that we draw the line? In the church I grew up in, if you played a guitar on Sunday morning in the church building, that was drawing the line because we were non-instrumental. I still think it's the holiest of ways. (laughs) Guitar playing people. Where do you draw the line? wrote down here, um, first and foremost, we have to leave that to Christ. Okay, so that's not really our job. And I think we can all kind of nod, say, "Mm, you know, yeah, okay, whatever, kind of a thing. Um, But I want to get a little more practical with it. How do we draw this line? How do we make this decision about how you handle grace and how do you overlook and when do you embrace and when do you finally say, actually, I do need to push you away? How do you do that? You guys know what I'm talking about? Any of you struggling with that? I hope you are. I mean, I don't guess. I don't guess. I hope you are. But I mean, I, 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 think, I think you are, and you should be acknowledging it. That's what I really meant by that. Um, I wrote down here. Did someone say something? Excuse me. No problem at all. Um, so we struggle with confusing a loving embrace as implying that we not only embrace the person, maybe embrace them as a sibling, but that we also embrace their actions as a whole. One of the big issues, um, I remember wanting to dislike my father-in-law very much because he had left um, uh, my wife's family, he yeah, through an extramarital affair, and I went to a local preacher friend to try to get him to help me justify my reasoning for disliking him um, because it was holy. And like what he did was wrong, and he didn't really deserve. In fact, the, the word was about forgiveness, and so I was trying to pull out some verse someplace that said, "If someone comes to you and asks for forgiveness, you forgive them." And I said, "But he never asked." <laughs> I don't have to forgive. I'm waiting for him to ask. Um, but a big part of that is I was convincing myself that if I forgave him and if I embraced him as my father-in-law, even though he had done this thing, that in some way that was me embracing what he did. Okay. As Christian families, we struggle with that because we're always concerned um, about uh, associating with somebody or something and then that being misunderstood. Uh, Jesus, you know, example after example of Jesus doing that beautifully where he wasn't worried about that. Um, so that's definitely a great case where you can argue that the vertical um, can help guide us, that we don't need to be worrying about that. Uh, Christ will uh, take care of that for us. Okay. I think that 
I think it was two like years ago you are talking about kind of the thing. I think Brandon, he, he was still talking a lot about that, that kingdom of God thing. And, and part of it was to realize that in the Word, we're supposed to, to judge one another in Christ. We're, we're all trying to help each other be the best disciples and walk this way and understand these things together. The problem is, throughout history, we thought we have we big teachers have thought that, that was us to anybody in the world who was doing these things. Why would we judge somebody for not following certain rules that they never signed up to follow? And I think that that's where exactly you realize they're that person's not a Christian. They're not trying to be a Christian. They're just you know Joe Schmo whatever. Right. You know, and I think then we can say, oh, okay, so this person, not a person having a big part. But a lot of times that being able to be a friend and not feeling like they get this title or label on them. If, if we have joy, if we have fruit, the Spirit, and hopefully that alone will draw them in. Right. So let's look at it this way. Yes, let's read that. Yes. I don't hear very well, so I'm going to walk all the way to you. <laughs> oh, well, we should connect more. I said we should connect more, so. So the Christian answer is, God will not push you beyond what you can handle. We say that all the time for some reason. Um, which I think there's certainly truth to that. Um, and I'm not going to really answer your question, or I may not answer it, but I'm going to try. Okay. So you're, you're, you're asking, where do you draw the line? You're asking, how do you know at what point do you um, kind of go after something? What point do you let it go? Is that right? That kind of a thing. Right. Is it quick? Because I'm running out of time. Okay. I, I, just the example of I shared with all of you uh, what happened to my daughter. And I struggled with that for a long time. It was necessary for me, for peace of mind with me, to forgive. Yeah. Uh, and in that process, now, I could not have the same kind of relationship with that person I had before but I still had a relationship. And that was important, that I didn't carry that resentment to the point that it shut that person out. Uh, for, my, for me, maybe even more than for him, I had to do that for myself right. in order to right. be supported. Good to have that. So I've popped this up a couple times. Um, 
this is the way that I was thinking about it, and I dug through this for a while, and Jill and I talked about this a little this morning. I think this helps me a little bit. It says, the goal is Jesus' blackness, to be like Jesus, while embracing human kindness and embracing each other. But this is really important for me, and I just keep working on this. I don't think this verbiage is quite right, but I think it could help. But not the other way around. So the goal is not human likeness, to be liked by humans, while embracing Jesus' kindness. But I think that's what we do. So we, we can get easily hung up in the Jesus loves, Jesus loves stuff. You know, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves this. It's all about loving, loving, loving. But the whole time we start working ourselves to death to be liked by each other. Okay, And so it's this, it's this kind of an interesting way that we do it. And we'll completely convince ourselves that, hey, I'm doing what Christ wants me to do because I'm loving the way he wanted me to love. But if we look at our lives practically, we're not doing the best job being like him and then embracing the humans around us. We're instead tending to be more like the humans around us and kind of embracing his love. I, I hope you guys can kind of get the flavor for, for where I'm going with that. Um, <laughs> Jill didn't like this phrase because I said, I, I wrote down, embrace the uncircumcised. And I thought, yeah, that's, that is a little weird. Um, but this goes back to Herb's discussion last week. Um, we need to remember that Christ is the cornerstone. cornerstone. And we just read that in Ephesians. And so as we're building up this family, the idea is that it's got to all build off of Christ as the cornerstone. So mimic Christ don't necessarily mimic each other. Okay. Oh, what? I've got one more slide. I don't have. I've lost a slide. Bummer. Okay. Um, so we'll just go ahead and end there. So um, that's really disappointing. Oh, I'm going to bounce out of here. What'd you say? There was one that came up when you tapped it. There it is. Okay. So, man, I'm so glad that showed up. I was freaking out. All right, so think about things which separate us from God and define that as sin. So going back to your question earlier about this, I, I, I'm going to start working on this and see if this will stick for me. I think it will. Is we love to make a sin list. If you play guitar on Sunday morning, fuck, bad. That was the church I grew up in. Um... If you do communion a certain way, bad, right? You know, we like to make these lists out. If you uh, theologically believe X versus Y, if you do this particular action, some people are teetotalers. So um, if somebody's drinking, for example, that would be a sin to them. And so, so that's the thing. We like to make these lists up. And so I start thinking, what if we turn that a little bit? And we say... Let's think about the things which separate us from God. Okay, don't read this yet. It's on my hand, but act like you can't see it. Think about the things which separate us from God, the things that are keeping us from being everything we can be to God, and then let's define that as sin. Okay, I'm not saying you can't do all that other stuff, but let's define that as sin. So that's the sin we're talking about right now. And then think about embracing everything, that's what to say that, 
that is not sin. So if there's a person out here, and they actually are a beautiful person doing some really wonderful things, and they're doing one thing that you believe is separating them and maybe affecting you, separating you from God, don't love that one thing. That's okay. Okay? You might be wrong. You might be right. But there's so much more that you can embrace. That's why I was saying earlier, we oftentimes will pick that one little thing that we don't like about someone, and we'll let that separate us. So going back to your question earlier, how do you draw that line? It's in here somewhere, in my mind. If something is getting you to the point that it is causing, if you're a Christian, okay, so that's, that's a whole other topic, but let's say you're a Christian, um, you as a whole, um, someone's a Christian, and there's something that is not helping them get close to God, then that's a line draw. Okay, that's something that you need to step away from, okay? It doesn't mean you have to step away from everything associated with that person, but that particular thing you need to step away from, or at least push pause for a while. Um, so I would say if there was a situation where you're trying to know how far to go with something, when to take a break from something, if it's something that's good and holy and it's helping you draw you in a good direction, I would say keep on with it even though it's wearing you out. If it's something that you feel like is dragging you down and not making you a better person for God, probably need to take a break from it for a while. Anybody agree or disagree with that? Have any thoughts about that? Yes. Kind of where I'm going with that? All right. The hard part is when you're trying to define the difference between those things that I think in the first part you're characterizing as refining, those things that are difficult but are drawing you to God like in the near term and in the long run versus the things that can be kind of dragging you down but they may be enjoyable in the short term um, but when you see the kind of bigger picture those are the things that are drawing you away from God and I think for us a lot of times our perspectives are pretty narrow and so we see the difficult thing now as the thing I'm going to run away from and going to run to the thing that's like fun or pleasurable or enjoyable right now when when you actually spend some time reflecting, those things are opposite, and we should invest in the thing that's actually more difficult. Yeah, 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 for sure. I'm out of time, so I'll catch I'll catch up with you afterwards. So, all right. Um, and so, one beautiful thing about this place is a quick wrap up is that um, it, it challenges me on this front because I've had many times people come to me and question me being a part of this place. And when I start pushing them a little bit, it's because they know somebody at this place that has a theology that doesn't line up with their theology, and then they want to broad paint that theology on everybody that's here. Okay. It happens a lot. And we have to be really, really well-grounded in Christ to be able to be like, that's not the way it works. I hear what you're saying. I'm respectful of your concern, but we're a group of people united in Christ, not united in every little nuance. Jen and I don't agree on everything, but we can still uh, be quite a force for Christ when we work together. With that, I'm going to pray. We've got communion up here. I believe I didn't look, but I assume it's there. Did you? Thank you, Judy. And uh, if you have kids, you'll want to take communion quickly and go get them, or go get them and then take communion, because I am over time. So let's pray. God, 
help us. Help us to know how to act, how to live, how to love like you. Help us to understand the relationship and the sacrifice that you've given to us and help us to figure out how to spread that to the people around us. Help us to recognize that the goal is beauty and love and happiness and that we don't spread these things just to be a burden, but help us to know that it's because if we do it your way, it's the best way, it's the most beautiful way, it's the way we were designed to be. We thank you for this family, we thank you for your love. Help us as we take this communion this morning to never forget that unity, to never forget that sacrifice, never forget the death on the cross, the flesh that was torn as we eat the bread and the blood that was poured out as we drink the juice. It's through Christ we pray. Amen.